is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Lots to cover. Impeachment, good or bad idea. If you listen to conservatives in radio and on Fox, they think it's a laughably stupid idea. I disagree. Tariffs, good idea. Look what it did to the EU. No, stupid, actually. Most of us aren't hurting from this, but a lot of people are, and $12 billion doesn't fix it, but it's an acknowledgement that they're stupid. But I'll get into that in the last hour, so at least you'll listen to the first two hours. And freedom of the press. Freedom of the press rests on the shoulders of this one young lady. And if she didn't get to answer her, ask her questions in the way that she wanted to ask them, at the time that she wanted to ask them, in the place that she wanted to ask them. Well, then, it endangers our freedom of the press, don't you know? B.S. Now, let's start with this impeachment. How about a little bit of context or whataboutism? President of the United States is elected fair and square under our Constitution, and immediately the long knives are out. And two men... Two men whom he nominates or confirmed abandon their constitutional responsibilities. That is the Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, and the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, Rod Rosenstein is his name. The Deputy Attorney General, after Sessions recuses himself within days, appoints a special counsel. with no legal basis whatsoever. The Deputy Attorney General for these purposes is the Acting Attorney General. He makes all the decisions. He wasn't confirmed as the Attorney General, and yet he has even seized power from the Attorney General of the United States and conveyed it to a special counsel. You see, Mr. Sessions recused himself over specific areas. Mr. Rosenstein has been granting authority to the special counsel on very broad areas where only the real Attorney General, Sessions, has the power to do so. Sessions refuses to intercede, and Mr. Rosenstein just keeps at it. So the Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein, as the Acting Attorney General, improperly confers powers of the Attorney General and, I would argue, a United States Attorney, principal officers, on an inferior officer whom he chooses, in violation of the Department of Justice regulations and the Constitution of the United States. The special counsel exercising powers that are repulsive to our constitutional system continues to expand the breadth of his activities and continues to be supported in doing so by the Deputy Attorney General as the Acting Attorney General, Rosenstein, as the actual Attorney General, continues to sit on the sidelines. This raises very serious questions of the Appointments Clause. 
The special counsel, as it turns out, is a very close friend with the man who appointed him, Rod Rosenstein. We've since learned that Rod Rosenstein's first professional full-time career job at the Department of Justice was as a line attorney in the public integrity section of the criminal division. At that time, it was headed by a gentleman by the name of Robert Mueller. So, Mr. Rosenstein doesn't actually appoint an independent individual to be special counsel. He appoints his friend, the former FBI director, his former boss, Mr. Mueller, who also happens to be a very close friend to the next FBI director, Mr. Comey. Stay with me. These people are conflicted up the wazoo. Meanwhile, the deputy attorney general himself is conflicted. He was the one who recommended the firing of the then FBI director, Comey, who apparently is the focus in part and has been for a while by the special counsel, his friend, in some fabrication of obstruction of justice. The then FBI director, um, and also conflicted in that he signed an extension of the FISA application. It doesn't matter what's in the FISA application. It is the subject, or at least part of, an investigation relevant to Russia. Now, Congress, you may have heard, is another branch of our government. It's actually in the Constitution. Department of Justice isn't. The FBI isn't. Congress is. Matter of fact, it's right there at the beginning under Article 1. Congress, actually, we talk about the co-equal branches of government. When you read the Federalist Papers and when you read Madison's notes, they always believe Congress was to be the most powerful body. But Congress has oversight power because Congress is said to best represent the people. The Department of Justice and FBI, which are not in the Constitution, have been slow rolling information to Congress. I'm not talking about legitimate uh, redactions of sources and methods and certain individuals. I'm not talking about that. We have found out since over the last year or more that many of the redactions have been self-serving. In fact, key information that has come out didn't come from the Department of Justice, conference of documents or information, or the FBI. Came from a lawsuit that was filed by the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Devin Nunes. That's how we found out ultimately who funded the dossier. Even though the FBI knew who funded the dossier. Even though the Department of Justice knew who funded the dossier. The Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. Many of the key texts exposing Stroke and Page and others. Demonstrating what was going on at the senior levels of the FBI in covering up for Hillary Clinton and going after Donald Trump came not from subpoenas and document requests to the Department of Justice and FBI, but the Inspector General. The Inspector General didn't receive subpoenas or document requests. Now, Congress, the House in particular, is investigating the involvement 
of the Department of Justice and FBI, among others, of those agencies, of those departments and individuals who worked for them in the last election. Can there be anything more important for congressional oversight? And the subjects of the investigation, the subjects of the investigation, the FBI, the Department of Justice, and certain individuals, they get to determine, apparently, what Congress gets to see. Even outside sources, methods, individuals, and so forth that would harm uh, national security. And again, we circle back. The man in charge of this entire fiasco is Rod Rosenstein. Is Rod Rosenstein. Sessions is in the witness protection program. And now we have this continuing saga, and I'll get to this a little bit later, where Mr. Mueller is desperately trying to wrap the charge of obstruction of justice around the president's neck. Either from a criminal perspective or perception perspective because he wants to fuel impeachment. And so we hear today all these pseudo-conservatives on TV and radio saying impeachment is a stupid idea when it comes to Rosenstein. I just laid out to you all the unlawful, improper, unconstitutional activity that's going on. I didn't even get started, really, in interfering with the last election by the Obama administration, by the FBI, by intelligence agencies, by certain individuals. And you have a handful of men who have some courage in the House of Representatives who look at the Constitution and say, hey, what can we do about this? Well, you know, they can have the president fire all these people. And if the president fires all these people, he will be impeached. But apart from that, Congress has an independent responsibility. Congress doesn't have to wait for a president or encourage a president. Congress has an independent responsibility to get to the bottom of it and fix it. If you're serious about out-of-control centralized government, which apparently most people are not. So they look at the Constitution and they say, well, we have impeachment here. No, 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 they should do contempt. Well, that'll work. Who enforces contempt? Raise your hand. Who enforces that? The Department of Justice, specifically the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. How many contempt cases that Congress has has, uh, charged uh, certain individuals in the past with has the U.S. Attorney's Office at the Department of Justice prosecuted? Eric Holder? No. Lois Lerner? No. You think they're going to go after the Deputy Attorney General of the United States to whom they report? No, I don't think so. So what does contempt have to do with anything? Well, if they do impeachment, they won't even get enough members of their own party, and it'll look very uh, cynical and political. Sometimes you do what's right. Sometimes you make your case to the American people. They have no other options. I don't care what Turley says. I don't care what Dershowitz says. They're no more experts than anybody else. Sometimes you actually have to make the case to the American people, win, lose, or draw. Sometimes you have to stand up 
for the Constitution and the rule of law, win, lose, or draw. This is a very silly idea, impeachment. It's only happened a few times in our history. So what? I'm not saying it should happen a hundred times. We're talking about Rosenstein. What's taken place in the last two years? How many times has that happened in American history? So we're told the president should shit on a sit on dump that. So we're told the president should sit around and just let these things take their natural course. We're told Congress should just shut up, let these things take their natural course. Well, I mean, they can hold hearings and issue press releases and go on cable TV. That's fine. But when it actually comes time to pull a trigger and try to do something, no. It's the same arguments I hear against Article 5 Convention of States. Government's too big. It's out of control. We have this autocracy. They're in our face. They're taxing it. Okay, the Constitution provides an avenue. I don't know if it'll work, but let's go for it. No, we can't do that. People just like to complain or analyze or debate. It's useless. So let me be the one who says that Mr. Rosenstein should be impeached, but apparently won't be impeached because it's been walked back, even the articles by the conservatives. They cannot get enough votes, apparently, within the Republican caucus. And so now we just leave it to Mr. Rosenstein and Mr. Mueller to determine the fate of the nation. They get to interpret the Constitution. They get to abuse the Constitution. But if somebody wants to stand up and try and do something about it, they throw tomatoes at them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now we have this story in the New York Times. Drip, 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 drip. For years, President Donald Trump has used Twitter as his go-to public relations weapon mounting a barrage of attacks on celebrities and then political rivals, even after adversaries warned he could be creating legal problems for himself. Why is he creating legal problems for himself? Why is he creating legal problems for himself? What has he done to create legal problems for himself? I will continue with this, but I read that his private lawyer taped numerous discussions with him, as well as others. And in my view, should be disbarred for it. His private lawyer, Michael Cohen, hires slip and fall Lanny Davis, propagandist, to represent him. Now we read where Michael Cohen is tired of being kicked around now, and he's going to show the FBI that he can work with them and so forth. What, what the hell is this? You hire a private lawyer? You hire a private lawyer who tapes the conversation of the client? Why would a private lawyer tape the conversation of a client unless that private lawyer intended to use it? In violation of the attorney-client privilege. And when it comes to Donald Trump, apparently there is no attorney-client privilege. 
When it comes to Donald Trump, apparently there is no confidential discussions with your lawyer. When it comes to Donald Trump, apparently there is no attorney work product when it comes to your lawyer. All of you who've dealt with lawyers, all of you who've had cases, I don't care if it's a parking ticket, a divorce, whatever it is. Can you imagine a legal system like this? We have to hear lectures about freedom of the press. I'll get there in a minute. But we don't hear any lectures about attorney-client relationships, about due process and privilege and confidentiality. Why? Because it's Trump? You know, he is an American citizen. I understand if he were an illegal alien who crawled across the border 15 seconds ago that we'd be conferring all kinds of constitutional and due process rights on him. Instead, he got elected president. So all of a sudden, he's stripped of this typical rights that any American citizen would have with a lawyer. And now we circle back to Mr. Mueller. If I wanted to destroy the United States, I would create a special counsel office and appoint Robert Mueller. If I were Vladimir Putin, I would appoint Robert Mueller as special counsel. So day in and day out, his office could leak about the president of the United States. So they could harass his White House staff, harass his family, harass his business uh, employees to try and distract him. I would do exactly what Mr. Rosenstein has done. I'm not done. I'll be right back. This is where liberalism ends and liberty begins. The Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. The moron who goes by the name of Trey Gowdy, who is basically a... uh, a drama student, when I watch him at these hearings, does nothing effective. Benghazi Zippo was in Boehner's back pocket. Yes, 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 I'll say it. Nobody else will. But Mark, he speaks so well. Uh, in any event, he thinks Mueller's doing a fine job. The Speaker of the House has become an absolute disaster. Just let the investigation take its course, you know. These are cowards. These are buffoons. These are men who are not statesmen who do not understand the Constitution. Just because Mr. Gowdy was a prosecutor, and just because Mr. Ryan claims to defend the Constitution, how so exactly? Either of them. We have a prosecutor now who is investigating the president's tweets to see if he can cobble together a case of obstruction. Was the president obstructing or threatening his own attorney general or the director of the FBI? This is according to three people briefed on the matter. So now they're leaking. Several of the remarks came as Trump was also privately pressuring the men, both key witnesses in the inquiry about the investigation, and Mueller's examining whether the actions add up to attempts to obstruct the investigation by both intimidating witnesses and pressuring senior law enforcement officials to tamp down the inquiry. Has anybody tamped down this inquiry? Now, let's see. We have Maggie Haberman and Michael Schmidt, investigative reporters, and other lightweights, hundreds of them, in the media, the free press, 
looking for any angle on the president. They're even recipients of felonious leaks out of the FBI and our intelligence agencies and have been now for some time, which they then burp up on the pages of their fledgling newspapers. We have the state of New York that's been investigating various aspects of the president's background. We have uh, Mr. Mueller, of course, and his gang of left-wing Democrat donators, uh, 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 donors, investigating the president. Has somebody stopped the investigation? Has somebody obstructed this investigation? No, I don't think so. But this is a very clever trick. We have an out-of-control prosecutor, and if anybody raises questions about him or Mr. Comey, who is diabolical, I mean, the entire senior team over there at the FBI has been wiped out on their own accord leaking other forms of uh, unethical activity, potentially illegal activity. They've been blown out. And the President of the United States is not allowed, as the head of the executive branch, not allowed to question anybody in law enforcement, not allowed to question any of the investigators, because that would be obstruction. Not allowed to comment on them, not allowed to criticize them. No, 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 no. The hell kind of country is this where the president of the United States is elected by the American people to run the damn executive branch and he can't raise questions about the FBI director? Hell, Congress was doing it until he fired him. Then all of a sudden they love the guy. Can't raise questions about the intelligence services? Then he's uh, treasonous? He's a traitor? Is this a joke? Uh, Let me explain something to Mr. Mueller. You clown, you fool, you stooge. The executive branch is the president. No, I'm not saying he's a dictator. No, there are specifics in the Constitution that applies to the president. But he is the executive branch. And I am sick and tired of these two-bit prosecutors, self-appointed, this incestuous bunch of circle, uh, I can't say that, circle uh, hacks, I'll say that, telling us what the president can or cannot do. And I don't need liberal professors who are embraced so thoroughly by conservatives lecturing us either. They're unreliable. This is a constitutional battle now. Those who support the Constitution and those who don't. It's that simple. This is why I am so outspoken and aggressive in challenging what's taking place here. We have an unconstitutional special counsel, in my view, who was given unconstitutional powers by a deputy attorney general, in my view. We have a president of the United States who's being harassed every damn day with leaks to the New York Times, leaks to the Washington Post, leaks to CNN about his tweets are now being investigated because we all know the president's not allowed to comment on anything. He's supposed to keep his mouth shut, let the libs run wild, Adam uh, Schiff and uh, Stormy Daniels and the slip and fall lawyer. They get to say whatever they want, whenever they want, as many times as they want, and the president's supposed to sit there and take it in the neck. 
Otherwise, we're going to investigate him. Otherwise, he's insane and ought to be removed under uh, Amendment 25. Otherwise, he should be impeached. Otherwise, he's not presidential. I have never seen anything like this, ever. Mr. Mueller, unaccountable, utterly unaccountable. Congress is afraid to call him up. Congress is afraid to control him. In fact, you got Gowdy and Lindsey Graham and others defending the guy. Rosenstein, conservative. No, no, you can't impeach him. Why? Well, we've only, uh, it won't work. Really? That's real leadership. Maybe it won't. Maybe it takes time to turn this country around. And use the Constitution again. Mueller wants to question the president. This is uh, his stenographers at the New York Times. Mueller wants to question the president about the tweets. His interest in them is the latest addition to a range of presidential actions he's investigating as a possible obstruction case. Private interactions with Comey, Sessions, and other senior administration officials about the Russia inquiry, misleading White House statements, public attacks, Possible pardon offers to potential witnesses. None of what Mueller has homed in on constitutes obstruction. Trump's lawyers said they argue that most of the presidential acts under scrutiny. So it goes on and on and on. This is an abomination. Absolute abomination. And we sit here with kick gloves on. Mittens. You know, uh, don't don't try and impeach Rosenstein. No, I mean, there's other things we can do, you know, like contempt. Oh, that'll work. And I love the line from the Department of Justice. We've turned over 880,000 documents. It's not the number of documents you turned over. Don't try that ruse on us. It's what documents you won't turn over. That's the issue. If Congress can't get basic information investigating the FBI and Department of Justice from the FBI and the Department of Justice, and the threats out there that the President of the United States, if he intervenes, will be charged with obstruction of justice, where do we go? For all those who say, all the President has to do is order these things, really order this and that. You think Mr. Mueller, who's there to protect Mr. Comey, among others, and is out to get Trump, you think he's going to sit still for that? I've been arguing Congress has a huge role here, and if not Congress, I don't know who. They should be holding hearings. They should bring Mr. Mueller in front of them. They should ask him what his constitutional authority is under the Appointments Clause. They should ask him about the two memos that I keep bringing up, written at the uh, Office of Legal Counsel of the Department of Justice, that you cannot indict a sitting president, whether he intends to comply with those, given the fact that his appointment requires him, him to comply with, uh, with the regulations and rules of the Department of Justice. This man is answerable to no one. Well, Rod Rosenstein, that's my point. That's my point. And these incessant leaks to the media, all of which seek to damage the president of the United States. Vladimir Putin, on his best day, couldn't do the kind of damage 
that these people are doing to our country. And I have a proposal. Why are we the taxpayers paying for Mueller? There's two other sources I could pay for Mueller, and to me, they really, they really should because they owe him a debt. The Russians or the Democrat Party. He's not serving the interests of the American people. Not in my view. They're investigating the president's tweets. These people are writing a report, or worse, ladies and gentlemen, I've told you this, I've told you this, I've told you this, to try and take this president out. And to watch Trey Gowdy, and to watch those Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee who insist that Mueller's doing a good job and he should be protected. To watch this Speaker of the House with one foot out the door. Absolute coward is a complete breakdown of our system. We have a man exercising enormous power who does not have any constitutional basis for existence. Well, Mark, there was the Morrison versus Olson decision 30 years ago. Ha, 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 ha. Excuse me. That decision underscores my point about the appointments clause. A principal officer versus an inferior officer. Mr. Mueller should never have been appointed. I said it at the time, but here we are. Some people are trying to do something about it, and they're under attack. Would you want to be in a foxhole with these conservatives or Republicans? You got men who are willing to stand up and women and take on this, this, this tyranny that's taking place, and what happens? They're shot in the back. Yeah, this impeachment stuff. You take it back, walk it slow, pretend it never happened, move on with contempt. Oh, okay, that'll work. I'll be right back. Well, it appears that Michael Cohen and Lanny Davis are now working with CNN, doesn't it? try and take down the president. Whatever happened to the taxis and the medallions that I kept reading about, I thought that's why Michael Cohen was under investigation. Whatever happened to that? You got Lanny Davis out there. Lanny Davis has pockets filled of shiny objects, and he throws them all over the place. It's hard to have integrity when you've spent your career defending the Clintons. And uh, the rest speaks for itself. Now, have you been watching CRTV at all? Conservative Review TV. You know what CRTV is all about? It's about your principles, your values, your belief system. The mission is to promote liberty, constitutionalism, private property rights, entrepreneurship, capitalism. It is a bastion for conservatism. 20 different hosts with different personalities, with different approaches, with different views within the context of liberty. Really, something for everybody. But most of all, me on Levin TV, we started it all. We hatched this 
uh, uh, model in my living room. We started with Levin TV, and after seven or eight months, we decided to create a network. And really, this was created for you, my radio audience. If you like this radio show, if you like this radio show, you should sign up for CRTV. The least of which to watch Levin TV. We're going to have 500 episodes under our belt soon. I'm not going anywhere. You're going to really enjoy this, I know. And you can watch it anytime you want on virtually any device that you have. Not on your toaster, but you know what I mean. You can even watch it on your smart TV. So I want to strongly encourage you to jump in. And uh, for my listeners, since we started it right here on the Mark Levin Radio Show, with you Levinites out there, we're offering all of you who haven't joined yet a 30-day free trial of CRTV. I want to strongly encourage you. You've heard me talk about it. Not let it go in one ear and out the other, but act right now. I want to give you a toll-free line, and all you Levinites should call it all at once. I'm quite serious. They're there. And get the 30-day free trial. Check out Levin TV. Check out the other shows. If you like my radio show, if you're a Levinite, you're going to want to do this. 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-LEVIN-TV. Matter of fact, let me give out the number and then say go and just dial it. If you're in your car, if you're at home preparing dinner, if you're at the beach, around the, wherever you are, let's do it all at once. Ready? 844-538-4688. 844-LEVIN-TV. Go! Dial it now! Let's overload them. 844-LEVIN-TV. Sign up. You'll be ready in five minutes. Get the 30 days free. Check it out. See if you like it. You can do it. I know you can. And let's us uh, explode the size of this really wonderful model that we put together now. So many other organizations are trying to copy, but they will not succeed. Do you want to know why they won't succeed, Mr. Producer? Because I'm on CRTV. That's why. It started as Levin TV and has grown to CRTV. 844-LEVIN-TV. If you're listening to me in your car, listening to me at the dinner table, at your office, you're on vacation, right now, 844-LEVIN-TV. Go! All right. Let's overwhelm them. That'll be a lot of fun. I get an email. Mark, what did you do? What did you do? So they're trying to circle the, encircle the president. We have people out there who, uh, who want to be loved among conservatives and pseudo-conservatives. They want to be loved. They will not fight back. And they're not leaders. They're not statesmen. They certainly have never been activists. Well, we don't have the votes for this. Well, we don't have the votes for that. The, de- the Dems and the left never conduct themselves that way. They, they fight and fight and fight till they succeed, Obamacare. As a perfect example, they don't take no for an answer. Our guys not only take no for an answer, but they give no for an answer. Forget it. Can't do that. Forget it. Can't do that. What the hell? Can't do that. Let the investigation take its course. Let a rogue prosecutor take his course? 
Really? That's preposterous. I don't believe we should let a rogue prosecutor take his course. I believe we should use the Constitution to protect the Constitution. I believe we should use the Constitution to protect the office of the presidency. And even more, I believe we should use the Constitution to protect the American people. That's why they call me Mr. Constitution Man. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I got a lot to get to, so if you do call the program, be prepared to wait a while. I'm just giving you a heads up. Now we move on to freedom of the press, which, as I hear it, is under great threat in this country. The Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN MSNBC, all of them. Great threat from this administration. The freedom of the press. How so, you might ask? Well, there's actually a good piece at the Daily Wire on this subject by a gentleman by the name of Joseph Curl. So let's first lay this out, and then I want to lay out something else that you haven't heard today. To hear the liberal media tell it, the horrible Trump administration bent on destroying the First Amendment has barred a legitimate journalist from covering the White House. Or as the New York Times put it, the White House barred a CNN journalist from attending a public appearance by President Trump in the Rose Garden on Wednesday, an apparent act of retaliation that drew immediate rebuke from news organizations and signaled the latest escalation of Mr. Trump's hostilities toward the news media. Once again... That's not the full story. And just for the record, a lie of omission is still a lie. The Times quotes Caitlin Collins, a White House correspondent for CNN, saying she was chastised for asking inappropriate questions. We played this yesterday, didn't we, Mr. Producer? And uh, they did not like the questions I asked President Trump about the news of the day, Collins said. That, she claimed, led to the White House barring her from the following press event in the White House Rose Garden. But White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders offered a very different account. She says that's actually not what happened. At the conclusion of a press event in the Oval Office, a reporter shouted questions and refused to leave. Despite repeatedly being asked to do so, Sanders said in a statement, subsequently our staff informed her she was not welcome to participate in the next event, but made clear that any other journalist from her network could attend. Do you see how the media humiliate themselves? Do you see how the media lie? And immediately, and I pointed this out yesterday, Fox and other news organizations, Circled the wagons around seeing it. They didn't want to be left out. They didn't want to be seen as not supporting the First Amendment. This has nothing to do with the First Amendment. This has nothing to do with freedom of speech. 
inquiries are not being shut down. Questions are not being shut down. This young lady was disruptive. You can't have that in a newsroom. You can't have that on a football field. You can't have it in a classroom. You can't have it in a courthouse. You can't have it at a congressional hearing. You can ask questions. You can ask tough questions. But wait your turn. Right place, right time. It's not as if the media aren't free to cover Donald Trump. They don't stop covering Donald Trump. So subsequently, our staff informed her she wasn't welcome to participate in the next event. Now, of course, the she refused to leave part wasn't reported by the media. Far different from the versions you're hearing in the mainstream media. And Collins herself noted that CNN wasn't barred from the event. She said on CNN that she was told, we're not banning your network. Your photographers can still come. Your producers can still come. But you are not invited to the Rose Garden today. Now, the Times reports that in the Oval Office, Collins shouted, did Michael Cohen betray you, Mr. President? And then, Mr. President, are you worried about the Michael, that what Michael Cohen is about to say to prosecutors? Actually, she asked six questions. Six But it wasn't the question she asked, it was the venue. Quote, to be clear, we support a free press and ask that everyone be respectful of the presidency and guests at the White House, Sanders said. Trump had just concluded an Oval Office meeting with European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker in the White House when the press was allowed in. Having covered the White House for 12 years, he says, I know a bit about this. To be sure, reporters do yell questions at the president all the time, say on the White House lawn, at Andrews Air Force Base, in a White House press conference, or just about anywhere other than the Oval Office, he says. And it's not only right for them to do so, it's their job when the American people expect them to do. In the Oval Office, though, reporters are expected to handle themselves with a bit of decorum. It's the man's office, after all, and the press was invited in. Yelling repeated questions at the president and refusing to leave is absolutely inappropriate. Collins asked the fifth question twice, so six questions. In an Oval Office spray, that's what they call it, apparently, it's cool to ask one question, maybe a second on your way out, but six? And you can watch the video yourself, folks. Just as fellow CNN White House correspondent Jim Acosta has been doing since day one of the Trump administration, Collins is clearly trying to get famous by being tough on the president. But she's not being tough. She's being rude. Ask a question, maybe two, and then get out. So now that's a new tactic by the press. Get into the Oval Office, then simply refuse to leave. When Trump tires of the tactic, and he will, and bars the entire press corps from his office, then the mainstream media will be up in arms. And when that happens, they should perhaps direct some of their ire towards Collins and Acosta. There's a way to do the job, a very difficult job, without being rude. Give it a try, White House Press Corps. You just might like it. No, 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 you don't understand. Trump is threatening freedom of the press. What a pathetic joke. I want to remind you... A Barack Obama in the Rose Garden, June 15, 2012, with a reporter by the name of Neil Monroe, working for the Daily Caller at the time. How Obama cut him off and shut him down, and the media agreed with him. 
No circling the ragans around Mr. Monroe. Cut one, go. It is, the, it is the right thing to do. Excuse me, sir. I, I, it's not time for questions, sir. I, I, not while I'm speaking. And the answer to your question, sir, and the next time I prefer you let me finish my statements before you ask that question, is this is the right thing to do for the American people. Babe Bika, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for an argument. I'm answering your question. It is the right thing to do for the American people, and here's why. Here's the reason. Because these young people are going to make extraordinary contributions. And Mr. Producer, he dug and dug and dug. And I want you to listen to this montage as a result of Neil Monroe questioning a different president, Obama, in the Rose Garden. Not about federal prosecutors, not about his private attorney, about actual policy issues, may I add. And guess what? Monroe's interruption was racist. Was racist. Cut two, go. It's very, very difficult to, to, to place race outside of this context. Certainly in my experience, it's hard to, to, to divorce that because this president doesn't look like the others. And I think a lot of the same thing is happening with our attorney general. We've got a, you know, these are two men who are doing an outstanding job. Um, but there are folks who just don't like it. And, and they've never treated other folks like this. But uh, here they are doing it to, to these gentlemen. Is it because they're both black? I think that probably has something to do with it. This disrespect of this human being yeah. is cannot be disconnected from the fact that he's black. You have to ask the question, would the right wing be doing this if we had a white president there? And any person who doesn't believe that race plays some role in that is, is floating down a river of denial. Wow. Race again. It's race. I don't remember news organizations putting out statements defending Neil Monroe, do you? And he wasn't in the Oval Office. The time wasn't cut off. Obama wasn't with another foreign leader. He wasn't being asked about prosecutors and such investigating him, because that never happened, of course, because he's Obama and they'd never do that. But he was asked a policy question. April Ryan on CNN Today, a leftist. Cut three, go. But then CNN had that exclusive with those Cohen Trump tapes. They were angry. They were angry. And now this. There is retaliation. And this administration doesn't look good. This president was sworn in, taking the oath of office to, to support the Constitution. In the first amendment, the very first amendment is freedom of the press. Yeah. He is going, he is violating his Her. oath. For, I mean, I'm, this is just, this is not good. This is a reporter, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm sure she cares deeply about the second amendment, the tenth amendment, the appointments clause, and article five, convention of states. No, she doesn't. I love the way the left throws around the Constitution. I even love the way the media throw around freedom of the press. There's other parts in the First Amendment that they don't even believe in. Like religious liberty. Then there's Wolf Blitzer. Yesterday on CNN, cut four, go. I mean, it's something you would expect to see in some totalitarian regime. Ah, there we go. I'm surprised he didn't say Hitler's Third Reich. All because we have another CNN reporter who's utterly unprofessional. 
Go ahead. With presidents around the world at photo opportunities uh, uh, that uh, the, the, the host government wasn't happy that White House correspondents were shouting questions. They weren't happy about that. Look, moron, everybody knows what's going on here. Everybody knows what's going on. It was in the Oval Office. Question time was over. And your reporter was unprofessional, was disruptive, lobbing six questions at the President of the United States. She wouldn't leave the Oval Office. Somebody ought to try that with Wolf Blitzer in the studio on air. Start lobbing questions at him and refuse to leave and say, hey, I can do this. I believe in freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. You can't throw me out. What are you, a... uh, a tyrant with a totalitarian mindset? They love the Constitution, except when it comes to most of it. Separation of powers, the Second Amendment. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Hilarious, isn't it? When Neil Monroe in 2012 did what he did, CBS News took note, quote, During President Obama's event in the White House Rose Garden on the administration's new immigration rules regarding children of undocumented immigrants, a reporter interrupted the president mid-sentence with the question, is it the right thing to do for American workers? Interrupting the president is considered a violation of decorum and is rarely done. The report, this is CBS. The reporter, Neil Monroe, the conservative website, The Daily Caller, said after the event he was asking questions because you guys weren't. So they chastise him. Chastise them. ABC News. Barack Obama's campaign, this is in 2008, has booted from its airplane three reporters who work for newspapers that have endorsed John McCain. Anybody accuse Barack Obama of being a tyrant? Of wanting to run a totalitarian regime? The campaign says that a limited number of seats forced it to make the tough decision of which journalists would be permitted so he gets rid of the uh, conservatives. Gets rid of them. And by the way, Glamour Magazine and others were allowed to stay on the plane. Just thought you'd want to know, Mr. First Amendment. Then I looked up and I followed this piece by James Risen of the New York Times. If Donald Trump targets journalists, thank Obama. What? What? Oh, yeah. More on that when I return. in. little is actually understood about impeachment, including among professors who show up at TV. It just is astonishing. And this argument that the Republicans better be careful on this impeachment question, because if the Democrats take the House, then they'll just change the name. That is a preposterous argument. You look at the facts. You look at the case. Does Mr. Rosenstein deserve to be removed or not? The answer is yes. Does the president deserve to be removed or not? The answer is no. And I would also remind these professors, and they should be very thankful I'm not naming them, that the way the framers looked at this, there was a different standard or interpretation of impeachment, or at least the application to a president than any other civil officer. They said so. Because the president, obviously, represents an entire branch of government and has been elected. Not so with judges, not so with cabinet members, 
and sub-cabinet members, among others. So these nuances clearly are not understood. Uh, you've got one guy who wrote a whole book on impeachment. You want to read a good book on impeachment, go to Raul Berger. I've told you this before. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to get into this in far more detail over the course of the next several months because of what's happening in this country. Uh, but in the case of Bill Clinton's impeachment um, over at Landmark Legal Foundation, we actually secured a copy of the impeachment proceedings and the trial of President Andrew Johnson from the Library of Congress, and we studied it. And we studied the truly great scholars who spent lifetimes on this subject, not quick hits on cable TV. Now, I need to give this piece some justice because of all the hyper phony reporting going on about threats to free press in this country. We stand by CNN. I don't stand by CNN at all. I stand by freedom of the press. James Risen, no right winger, investigative reporter of the New York Times at the time. Donald Trump decides as president, to th- I'm going to start it now and then finish it after the bottom of the hour, so stick with me, please. If Donald Trump decides as president to throw a whistleblower in jail for trying to talk to a reporter or gets the FBI to spy on a journalist, you have one man to thank for bequeathing him such expansive power, Barack Obama. Anybody remember the media as an aggregate, as a whole, rising up against Barack Obama? Mr. Trump made his animus toward the news media clear during the presidential campaign, often expressing his disgust with the coverage through Twitter or in diatribes at rallies. Oh, we soon forget. So if his campaign is any guide, Mr. Trump seems likely to enthusiastically embrace the aggressive crackdown on journalists and whistleblowers that is an important yet little understood component of Mr. Obama's presidential legacy. But Trump hasn't done that. Criticism of Mr. Obama's stance on press freedom, government transparency, and secrecy is hotly disputed by the White House. But many journalism groups say the record is clear. Well, they were very quiet about it. Over the past eight years, the administration has prosecuted nine cases involving whistleblowers and leakers, compared with only three by all previous administrations combined. It has repeatedly used the Espionage Act, a relic of World War I-era red-baiting, not to prosecute spies, but to go after government officials who talk to journalists. Of course, they never used it to go after Hillary. Under Mr. Obama, the Justice Department and FBI have spied on reporters by monitoring their phone records, labeled one journalist an unindicted co-conspirator in a criminal case for simply doing reporting, issued subpoenas to other reporters to try and force them to reveal their sources and testify in criminal cases. Sounds like Robert Mueller, actually. Now there is somebody who's going after freedom of the press. I'm not done. I'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. I will soon continue with this article written by this uh, New York Times investigative reporter. And it's not even to show the hypocrisy of the left and these reporting organizations. It's more. It's to show you real threats to freedom of the press versus claims of threats to freedom of the press. When the president of the United States or his staff, tells a reporter for CNN, you're way out of line, the way you conducted yourself. 
That's not a threat to freedom of the press. A threat to freedom of the press is if you have reporters yelling stuff, talking over each other, refusing to leave the Oval Office. The American people, after all, it's our country. We're not going to get the information. And in her case, of course, she wasn't interested in anything that was going on in the Oval Office. She wanted to talk about Michael Cohen because CNN's been working with him and Lanny Davis. And she wanted to keep pushing that narrative. And they wanted to get their ratings up. And they wanted to do this. And they they have their own agenda. And then they wrap themselves in freedom of the press. They are free to do that, but not after the, the, the question time is done and they're in the Oval Office and they're asked to leave. I mean, is there really any question about access to Trump and his people? Far more than Obama ever provided. Or many presidents, for that matter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through, this, through the site within the first day. And with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America, bar none. And right now, you, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive website. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. Because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Now let's go on. This is a New York Times reporter. Says, I experienced this pressure firsthand when the administration tried to compel me to testify to reveal my confidential sources in a criminal leak investigation. Did that happen to CNN? The Justice Department finally relented, even though it had already won a seven-year court battle that went all the way to the Supreme Court to force me to testify, most likely because they feared the negative publicity that would come from sending a New York Times reporter to jail. In an interview last May, President Obama pushed back on the criticism that his administration had been engaged in a war on the press. He argued that the number of leaked prosecutions his administration had brought had been small and that some of those cases were inherited from the George W. Bush administration. But critics say the crackdown has had a much greater chilling effect on press freedom than Mr. Obama acknowledges. In a scathing 2013 report for the Committee to Protect Journalists, Leonard Downey, a former executive editor of the Washington Post, who now teaches at Arizona State University, said the war on leaks and other efforts to control information was the most aggressive I've seen since the Nixon administration when I was one of the editors involved in the Washington Post investigation of Watergate. When Mr. Obama was elected in 2008, press freedom groups had high expectations for the former constitutional law professor, particularly after the press had suffered through eight years of bitter confrontation with the Bush administration. And it goes on, and it lays it out, chapter and verse. Trump hasn't done any of that. All they did was tell this young lady who was out of line that she was out of line. 
But let me say this about the American press corps today. It's worse than anything I've ever seen. It's more ideological than any time in modern history. There's more groupthink and group reporting, which is why I wasn't surprised why they all came to defend this young lady than I've ever seen. We have issues out there that are never reported on. Big issues. Issues that threaten this society. When's the last time, as I said the other day, we had concentrated reporting for 24 hours on our massive national debt? When's the last time we had concentrated reporting on the coming collapse of Social Security and Medicare? These are huge programs that affect tens of millions of people. When's the last time we had concentrated reporting on student debt, which is massive? When's the last time we had concentrated reporting on the threat that China poses to this country, stealing our technology, shaking down companies that do business in China, their military buildup and all that? When is the last time? And I could go on and on. We have huge issues that are thoroughly relevant to our lives, to our country. And then when you see these same so-called media outlets spend weeks on Stormy Daniels, spend weeks on Michael Cohen and Lanny Davis, spend weeks on these various issues because they want to take out Trump because they're myopic and they're obsessed and they're frenetic about it. Don't tell us about the damage Trump's doing to freedom of the press. You're damaging freedom of the press. You're unprofessional. Your priorities are skewed. You're ideologically driven. You carry the ball for the Democrat Party more times than not. You treat conservatives like we're reptiles at the zoo. And you won't self-identify. You won't label yourselves what you actually are. CNN is a left-wing network. It's not a news network. MSNBC is a left-wing network. Fox is a right-of-center network. They try far more than the others, I will say. The New York Times is a left-wing newspaper. The Washington Post is a left-wing newspaper. You can go down the line and look at the people they hire. So from the get-go, they are completely dishonest, intellectually and otherwise, about what they really are and what they really do. Now they have every right to do it. Nobody's challenging that. So their press freedom is not threatened. But when you go in the Oval Office, act like a professional. You can ask tough questions, not six. When you're asked to leave, like everybody else, you leave. I gave you a little history of the presidential press conference. They're not in the Constitution. It's not a constitutional right. They used to be off the record. Presidents used to use them to advance their own cause. But we have a very different situation right now. Too often than not, unprofessional individuals who seek to promote themselves in order to make more money, in order to get higher ratings, in order to get their own TV shows and radio shows. In other words, people who are there for themselves, and then they wrap themselves in freedom of the press. So 
if the president calls them out or you call them out or I call them out, we're not threatening freedom of the press. We're pointing out some jackass or some network that clearly goes this way or that way. That's called freedom of speech. And there's nothing wrong with it. I just wish that these same people felt the same way about the rest of the Constitution, which they clearly do not. Like the amendment that follows the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. Or as I said earlier, a number of the issues within the First Amendment. Like religious liberty, which many of them don't believe in. Well, the media. So it's not a matter of whether the press should be aggressive. It's not a matter of hypocrisy. That is, when the Democrats are in power, we don't want them throwing out our people. If somebody's in there doing the same thing, they should be treated the same way. But there's a lot of questions here. Who decides which news outlets are in the Washington press corps? Why are they, for the most part, the same news organizations? We have an enormous number of news outlets, and they're not all these traditional outlets, with new technologies and new communication methods. You have all kinds of Internet reporters and news websites and so forth. Are they properly represented in the Washington Press Corps? How about regional news operations and local news operations? Are they properly represented? I mean, do we need a baseball stadium filled of quote-unquote reporters to make sure we're upholding freedom of the press? Or, I'll even go further, what is with this oligopoly? Only certain media outlets get certain seats assigned to them in the uh, White House press room. It raises a lot of questions as far as I'm concerned. All reporters aren't disruptive, you notice? They can ask tough questions. And they do. They can ask tough, tough questions under the right environment, in the right circumstances, and they do. For this young lady, it was her behavior. And yes, we can expect reporters to have respect for the office of the presidency if they expect us to have respect for them. I'll be right back. Mark in. a slow day over there at media doesn't matter for un-Americans over there uh, George Soros and other left-wing kooks funded or did listen to this Mr. Producer you know like it was on Sean's show we had a little fun like we used to have for about 10 minutes on Hannity's radio show Fox News host Mark Levin bashes Fox News for occasionally allowing Democrats on the air it was a joke you morons wow spread that around Sometimes I have to turn it off because you have some of these Obama people on. These people are pathetic. Absolutely nuts. But that's okay. We know who they are and what they are. Now, you don't, uh, where am I, Mr. Bitzer? Optima, correct? You don't owe thousands to the IRS, do you? Probably not. So you don't know the depths of depression, sleeplessness, and anxiety my listener endured before taking my advice and calling Optima Tax Relief. 
He owed over $40,000 to the IRS, but he didn't have the money, and he didn't have any way to pay, as you can imagine. Much less the interest and penalties that just keep compounding day in and day out. And he was in the IRS crosshairs. Aggressive collection calls, threatening letters. And if you want to know what Optima did for my listener and how little he ended up paying to the IRS, go to OptimaTaxRelief.com, watch his verified video, and prepare to be impressed. And just because the IRS says you owe it doesn't mean you do. Can you believe it? They make mistakes sometimes, too. Now, picture yourself with your IRS nightmare in your rear view. That's what Optima does day in and day out. They know that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking people, families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need to be protected. And they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for clients. Why put yourself and your family through this? Visit my friends at OptimaTaxRelief.com or call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Man, oh man, Oshevitz, I haven't covered everything that I want to cover either. All right, Mr. Producer, you're going to have to give me a really good caller, preferably a liberal, but if not, a patriot. Go ahead. On the Mark Levin app, Claire in Florida. Go. Hi, Mark. You In the first hour, you discussed attorney-client pr- privilege. Yes. So I, I wanted to go back to that. Now, I've worked for attorneys for more than 40 years. I recently retired. And on some high-profile trials, and I Mm -hmm. have never, ever, once in my life, seen a tape recording of any of the discussions they had with their clients. Of course not. That was so horrific to me. How could you trust an attorney today not to? No, you can't. And and let me ask you a question. How come there's no real coverage of that by the media, any of the media, on what is attorney-client privilege? What Uh, is confidentiality? What is attorney work product? What are the rules in New York as applied to attorneys, the rules that are put out by the, uh, by the uh, highest court in New York, the rules of professional conduct? Have you seen one show discuss that, even one? No, but nor do I ever expect it. I mean, that's no. not the narrative today. Because they want this stuff. They don't care by hook or by crook. Well, you know, that, that only just leans to my, my second uh, point is that someone has to be left in their class in law school. And I really do believe that it's Cohen and, and Lanny <laughs> Davis. Okay. Well, I don't Somebody know about that, of course. But then you, then you were talking about the document production, um, the 800,000 pages, right? And 880,000 uh, documents. Who cares? Okay. It's not what they want. Exactly. That's, that's not even it. But we used to consider that like a paper blizzard. Somewhere in there is something you need, but you have to go mm-hmm. through it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I am just so shocked that not one of these so-called legal beagles on these news programs has even mentioned a tape, the tape recording. I'm, I, I'm no, I, I, some have some have said that uh, that it's pretty outrageous. Yeah, well, there was a there was a book uh, print uh, put out in 1994 by Paul Weaver called News and the Culture of Lying. And it's it's a great read. Um, but it does outline what you're seeing today uh, more mm. than any other time in history with the media. It, you should look into it. I think you'd enjoy all it. All right. Thank you, my friend. I may check it out because that's pretty much all I do is read. Kevin, Fort Myers, Florida, the great WFSX. Go. Hey, Mark. How you doing tonight? All right. Thank you. First of all, I uh, love your show. 
And Thank uh, you. I wanted to mention your, your father's book, Proverbs for Young People. Uh, my daughter, uh, I had to read that to her probably a hundred times. It is a great book. And let me tell you something. He's coming out with a new one October 30th. It's fresh off the presses. I've seen it. It is beautiful. I'm just going to say, I wasn't going to bring it up. Uh, the colors are beautiful. He draws them and writes all the information himself. And it's called Our Police. And it is a book about police for four to eight-year-olds because my dad said that he wanted young people to understand that the police are our friends and that they're there to protect us. So it's a beautiful book. It's got a beautiful message. But I'll talk more about that later. Anyway, go right ahead. Yeah. I wanted to mention uh, Comey uh, was leaking those memos uh, to his law professor buddy. And uh, then when the news gets out, he hires them as his attorney. And, of course, he gets, the, I guess, the client attorney privilege. And, uh, you know, nobody- you know, that's a great point. That's a great point. So he uh, saw he he was uh, he, he actually, after the fact, uh, tried to protect himself with attorney client privilege. You're right. Nobody's trying to pierce that. But with the yeah. case of Trump, it says it's if he doesn't have any. Yeah, just do whatever they want against the Republicans. It's, uh, my father and I are just sick of uh, the media and the, the way and the let, let me Let me tell you something. You and your father, like my father and, and, and me, we are all sick of them. We are sick and tired of it. And, uh, and, and I think uh, we speak for tens of millions of our fellow citizens. I think we really do. I wish some of the other Republicans would... Uh, you know, speak up and actually be on Trump's side a little bit more. That's also cowards. Uh, really discouraging. Really. Okay, you watch this guy Corker and Flake. These are two guys that are not running again because they lose uh, in overwhelming numbers. You see Trey Gowdy's not running again, so uh, he's two sides of the same coin the way he talks. As far as I'm concerned, I've never seen anything productive out of that guy. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, The, uh... The Democrat leadership holds on to power like the old Russian oligarchs, and Nancy Pelosi fits in perfectly. Cut seven, go. Uh, for the special interest, mortgaging the future, our future with their tax scam for lower prescription drug prices, today, Monday, not today, Monday, marks the 53rd year, uh, 53rd anniversary since they've had it in the Ryan budget again and again, but... Don't, don't just rest on that. Send jobs overseas then on, the, on that money. Over $2 trillion in cuts. President Trump's disgraceful, disgraceful dangerous uh, elections by following a resolution. Three election technology. Did you know this? Three election technology vendors. Or protecting our democracy from Russia on... Ho- uh, Lowering prescription drug costs and rebuilding America. Over the weeks, House Dem- uh, coming weeks, House Democrats will continue 
that drumbeat across America. In uh, apprehensions, their hopes and dreams and fears. Uh, so when the president pre pre presents himself in such a dangerous, destructive and disgraceful way, on the perp on the, when it comes to raising wages, lowering, he said wouldn't instead of would or would or instead of wouldn't, whatever that, whatever that was. How do you explain that? You have, we have to defend the Constitution. It's the oath we take. We didn't even know about this yesterday, but it isn't why talking. It's a montage uh, of the utterly incoherent buffoon who is Nancy Pelosi. May I say that? Maybe Media Matters will pick up on that. I'm going to get to a few other things here. Uh, the Obama administration knowingly funded a designated al-Qaeda affiliate. This is in National Review by Sam Westrup. The Middle East Forum has discovered that the Obama administration approved a grant of $200,000 of taxpayer money to an al-Qaeda affiliate in Sudan, a decade after the U.S. Treasury Department designated it as a terrorist financing organization. More stunningly, government officials specifically authorized the release of at least 115000 of this grant, even after learning that it was a designated terror organization. I don't believe Bob Menendez asked the Secretary of State about this and whether he condemns what the Obama administration did. The story began in October 2004 when the U.S. Treasury Department Office of Foreign Assets Control designated the cartoon-based Islamic Relief Agency, also known as Islamic African Relief Agency, as a terror financing organization. It did so because of ISRA's links to Obama bin Laden and his organization's Maktab al-Yabadaba, the precursor of al-Qaeda. According to the U.S. Treasury, in 1997, ISRA established formal cooperation with, uh, with MK, the Yabadaba, that al-Qaeda group. And it goes on and on and on. So there's your Obama administration funding al-Qaeda. There's your Obama administration funding the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. But the Democrats are worried about Trump. They're worried about Trump selling out to Russia. He hasn't sold a damn thing out to Russia. Now, the, uh, the Turkish government, this Erdogan is a fascist pig. He is an Islamic uh, jihadist type now. He's taken this magnificent country of Turkey, uh, which had a modern government founded really by Ataturk. And here he is, throwing people in jail, having people killed. Uh, conspiracy theorist. He is obsessed with the Jews in Israel. He's a big-time anti-Semite. Uh, he's also anti-Christian, and he's got a Christian minister, an American, who's been locked up, and uh, the president wants him out. He's a spy. He's not a spy. He's a Christian minister. See, guys like Erdogan, these Islamic, uh, uh, what should I call them, uh, uh, fascists of his sort, uh, or you look at Hamas and the rest, they view Jews and Christians really of the same ilk. They view Christianity as an outgrowth of Judaism. They, they, they view Jews and Christians the way the Romans did, quite frankly, 3,500 years ago. And so they're all expendable. As a matter of fact, they all should be expendable. That's the thinking. And Erdogan's one of them. This is a NATO country who is now cutting deals with Russia. 
This is a NATO country trying to slaughter Kurds. They are Muslims, and they are our allies, and they fight like hell on our side, and we ought to be defending them. And so they have this minister there, Pastor Brunson, and they won't let him go. Here's Mike Pence today. Cut five, go. Pastor Brunson was in prison without being charged for more than a year. And when the Turkish government finally indicted him, they accused him allegedly of dividing and separating Turkey by simply spreading his Christian faith. Pastor Andrew Brunson is an innocent man. There is no credible evidence against him. Our entire administration has worked tirelessly to secure Pastor Brunson's release. Yesterday, Turkey released Pastor Brunson from prison only to place him under house arrest. This is a welcome first step, but it is not good enough. Cut six. And to President Erdogan and the Turkish government, I have a message on behalf of the President of the United States of America. Release Pastor Andrew Brunson now or be prepared to face the consequences. If Turkey does not take immediate action to free this innocent man of faith and send him home to America, the United States will impose significant sanctions on Turkey until Pastor Andrew Brunson is free. Erdogan now, ladies and gentlemen, is our enemy. It creates a complicated military and geopolitical situation complicated situation with NATO, but he's our enemy. He works with the Syrians. He works with the Russians. He's undermining the United States. He's threatening Israel. All the usual stuff. And Congress so far has stepped up to deny him uh, our new jet fighters, and we must, because he'll take our technology and without question Give it to the Russians, among others. I want to talk about freedom. Your freedom. I want to talk about prices. High prices and low prices. Do you think the government should be setting prices for the products that you want to buy? Do you think the government should be involved in determining what products you should buy? Do you think the government should increase the price of the food you put on the table for yourself and your family? Or the automobile you need to have in order to get back and forth from work? Or the tractor that you might use as a farmer in order to till your fields or harvest your uh, corn or your wheat? How about those of you who produce automobiles, assembly line workers, those of you who produce the parts, of which there are many? Think the government should drive up the costs to make it more difficult for the consumer to purchase them? How about washing machines and dishwashers? How about dryers? How about toasters? 
How about nails? That is what tariffs do. I'm truly disgusted and sick and tired with people who claim to support capitalism and oppose socialism, who claim to support limited government against centralized government, who genuflect, turn themselves inside out, look like pretzels with their logic for tariffs in this administration. The president has reversed course. The president was on my show a couple of years ago, pushing fair trade. He, Ernie Sanders, Democrat Party, certain industrial unions, want to be protected. These industries protected. Not to compete. To be protected. All the arguments I used to hear apparently don't matter anymore. Well, Mark... How can we compete when their salaries are less than ours in the third world? Well, their salaries are still going to be less. Or when they uh, manipulate their currency, where they're still going to manipulate their currency. The president hasn't withdrawn the $12 billion in tax subsidies for soybean farmers who don't even want it. That's still on the table, despite the announced deal to get a deal with the EU on certain non-automobile products. The president now talks about using tariffs to promote no tariffs and no subsidies, which he says he laid on the table after the G7 meeting. This is a new position for the president. It's a new argument developed by his staff, by Steve Miller, by this other guy, Peter Navarrado, or whatever the hell his name is, by Wilbur Ross. It's slick, but I'm not buying it. We should reduce slash taxes on the American people. That's what tariffs are. The federal government is the winner. When you pay 40% more for steel, and you're manufacturing cars, or you're paying... 25% more for aluminum or or 12% more for lumber. That is a VAT tax. That is a federal sales tax. That is a tax that goes to the bloated federal government that you're not supposed to like. It drives up prices for the American people. But Mark, you don't understand. It's three levels chess, four levels chess. I guess Herbert Hoover didn't understand either. It's not any chess. The European Union today is saying that they defeated Trump. That they were able to persuade him not to put 25% tariffs on automobiles because they gave him the soybeans and they gave him the this and they gave him the that. That's what they're saying today. Others are saying the president is doing this because he sees the farm belt, which he needs, is suffering. And I know they're suffering because people are calling this show one after another, after another, after another. These are hardworking American citizens, many of whom are Republicans. Politics should not be involved in this. Government should not be deciding who wins and who loses. If, in fact, tariffs work, then why not put 25% on automobiles? Why would the UAW oppose that? Why do the automobile companies oppose that? 
if they help the middle class, if they help blue-collar workers, if they help union members. Because they don't. And if they worked, we wouldn't need a $12 billion subsidy plan for our soy farmers, would we? Who's next? We've got a number of companies that are suffering right now. You can go Google them. They're not unpatriotic. The laws of economics are like the laws of physics. They don't change because we have a different president. They are what they are. What I'm telling you is not a theory. It's not an abstraction. It's not about being pure for free market capitalism and so forth. It's the law of economics. It's how it works. It's like mathematics. It's like physics. It is what it is. It's like natural law. It is what it is. Certain eternal truths. And to come back, oh, look what I did. I got them to, now we're going to negotiate no tariffs and no subsidies. For what? For their soybeans? I wasn't aware that Europe grew a lot of soybeans. Do they, Mr. Producer? No, they buy soybeans. And this is declared as a victory. We should slash our tariffs, eliminate our subsidies. No company should be subsidized. No business should be subsidized with taxpayer dollars. That is outrageous. We should be slashing taxes on the American people and watch all the money from all over the world pour into the United States. Because that's what happens. And create a new industrial revolution. The first industrial revolution was not created with tariffs and protectionism. Quite the contrary. It was a free-willing economy. Created the largest middle class on the planet that mankind has ever seen. Despite all the propaganda films from the left. They created so many of the services and products and luxuries that we have today and laid the foundation for those things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin'. Let us go to Vasily in Mount Home, Arizona, I believe. KWHN, how are you? I am very good. Uh, uh, good looks evening, like, sir. Actually, looks like Arkansas. Go ahead. Uh, good evening, sir. I am very yes, nervous. Sir. I have not ever done this before. Yes. I am uh, a Russian. Um, uh, I am of a family of Russian immigrants. Political right. immigrants. Yes, yes. From 1980s. <clears throat> okay. How may I, I help you? Uh, I would like to raise a point. For, I would love to have a conversation with you for, for one thing. Uh, yes. But I need to be short, and I totally do understand. Now. Yes, yes. Uh, listening to the rhetoric on Nancy Pelosi, I never have liked her physically or Oh, uh, speech-wise, I'm sorry if I'm breaking. You may yes, interrupt yes. me any time. Yes, yes. Uh, there has been a language that has been invented 
yes. in Russia, okay, that was uh, in a way, if I may explain, a total political gibberish. Yes. Okay. It made no sense. It you you can listen to it all you wanted to, but there was no ins and outs. There was no. It was just a specific language, and those there are there are listening and know of this. They know it well. You mean like CNN? Um, I don't listen much to news. I try to avoid all of that. It's very depressing. But that's what happens. I mean, CNN is like our version of Russia TV. Vasily, I apologize. We have to run. That's what that music means. Call again, my friend. I shall return. America's most powerful conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Now we will take some callers. We haven't taken many callers. We laid a lot on the table. You know, 3.8 million Americans are reading in Primus for free each month. Are you one of them? It's the very best and largest digest of conservative thought, and it's published by Hillsdale College. You can receive it for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. In Primus is always outstanding and always free. As part of Hillsdale's efforts to teach all Americans how to pursue truth and defend liberty. I think it's one of the most important publications in the country, and I read it every month. This month's edition is particularly powerful. It's featuring Vice President Mike Pence's message to Hillsdale's graduating class. It's a message that will teach you, challenge you, inspire you, and I hope you've read it. Start reading in Primus and learn how to defend freedom, starting with the current issue. Vice President Pence will help ground you in the teachings and traditions that are our greatest inheritance as Americans. The same teachings and, uh, uh, and traditions that are the surest foundation of a boundless American future. Visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, to get your free subscription to Primus, no strings attached. levinforhillsdale.com, if you like my show, you will love Primus. LevinforHillsdale.com. And a reminder, this Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, on the Fox News channel, Life, Liberty, and Levin. And we will have as our guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And he is. And he's a dear friend of mine. And I've already talked to him in advance a little bit, and he's got a lot to say. So I, uh, I hope you'll check in. I haven't seen a lot of him lately, so uh, uh, and uh, and I suspect uh, you're wondering what's going on in his life, and he'll tell us uh, among among other things, his view of the press, his view of uh, President Trump, foreign policy, domestic policy, and he's he's a funny guy, by the way. He likes to have fun. He's a great guy, and I think we'll both together learn a great deal about him. Susie, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP, go. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. What an honor. Thank you. I wanted to let you know that I am so thankful for you and that these tariffs are just a horrible idea. I think that a lot of Americans, especially in my millennial generation, don't understand that by placing taxes and by placing these tariffs on us, 
that the economy cannot thrive and that we can't succeed as a nation. Well, well here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're going to have big economic numbers on Friday, which speak to what took place the prior quarter. And I look and I'll we'll look at this three, four, maybe five. I hope it's 100 percent. But all that said, it would have been bigger. Hmm? It yes. would have been bigger because because tariffs do not create growth. They simply do not. All right. Go ahead. They don't. And you're right. I love Milton Freeman. I love how you reference him all the time. And we need to go back to the basics and we need to go back to the Reagan times. And I really wish that President Trump would be more open to receiving that direction and seeing where the country can really go. Well, I don't think he is. I think this is where we are. But thank you for your call. Very thoughtful. And he gave a speech to uh, Steelworkers Union at the United States Steel uh, in Indiana. I think he should give a speech to the soy farmers uh, and see how they react. And uh, see, most of us aren't soy farmers. Many of us don't eat products that have soy in them. So we just blow it off. Oh, what's the big deal? And we can go down the list. Uh, GE's getting slammed right now. And, you know, all these are businesses that have uh, uh, lots of employees, lots of hardworking employees, and I'm just not into this kind of central planning. It's a big mistake. Let's take another call. Let me see here. Is my damn phone screen working? Of course not. My computer froze, Mr. Uh, Producer. Who do we have? 870 AM, KRLA, George in California. Go. Hi, Mark. I'm really uh, glad that you brought up the whole panoply of issues that are facing us right now. And originally, um, I was wondering how you felt about, uh, you know, some of this FISA warrant business that's starting to come out and how this is all uh, based on uh, really what would be a criminal conspiracy and uh, and I was wondering if if we would look at Mueller as um, fruit of that poisoned seed <laughs> and let me ask you a question sir. yes where does all this lead who do you think is going to prosecute anybody? Nobody is going. There to, you go. Nobody. And so when we have a few, anyone. a few. Pa- thank you. When we have a few patriots in the House of Representatives who stand up and say, "Look, there's only one thing we can do under the Constitution," they're shouted down. Is to cut the rope of the millstone around one of Donald Trump's legs. That's all. Thank you for your call. I don't even know what that means. Abe, Las Vegas, Nevada, on the Mark Levin app. Go. On your nice and excellent program. Thank you. Hello? Did we just lose Abe? No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go right ahead, sir. Okay. Thank you for having me on your excellent show. Thank you. Um, You had said that um, if we reduce all of the tariffs and trade barriers, including taxes. Ourselves. Ourselves. Right. Um, with, without regard to... The- so in other words, that would be a massive tax cut for the American people across the board. Okay, I understand that part. Yes. What I don't understand is how money would pour into the com- country along with cheap products. It seems well, I, didn't like say, I, I didn't say cheap products. 
Well, you, you brought that up. Maybe there's cheap products. Maybe there's expensive products. It depends on what Abe and his family and millions of other families want to purchase, right? Right, right. Now, in terms of money flowing into this country, the less economic barriers you have, the more money will flow into this country for investment purposes. In other words, if other countries want tariffs, they have high tariffs, which are taxes on their own people, and subsidies, which are more taxes on their own people, that's their problem. How does that impact um, the manufacturers here? Wouldn't they be... Because people buy less stuff in Europe. That's why Europe is poorer than it is than the United States. So when they put tariffs on, on products that come into that country... It not only drives up the price of products that are imported into those countries from us or somebody else, but their domestic manufacturers take advantage of that, too. I've talked about this over and over again. So if you give, for instance, a 25% tariff or tax on steel that comes into this country, uh, domestic steel makers say, okay, that's a good idea. We're going to raise our prices by 20%. And they do. Okay. And the commerce... I'm educating you, which means you got to listen. You asked me a question. This is not that easy to follow this. Even the Commerce Secretary said, we're going to investigate profiteering by the steel industry. It's not profiteering. It's basic economics. If you create an oligopoly, a domestic oligopoly, they can charge whatever the hell they want to up to a certain point uh, when the tariff kicks in for foreign imported steel. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, all right. I think I followed that. Um... So, so... Uh, if I if I have if I'm handling finances and I have money and I want to invest it somewhere, I'm going to invest it in the United States where the taxes are low, where the regulations are low, where commerce is thriving, where I don't have to worry about tariffs one way or another. I will invest it in the United States. That's what happens. Okay, I understand now. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. What the hell is wrong with my call screen? All the time. Come on now. I can't. It's so frustrating. Tim in Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Mark, it's an honor to speak to you, sir, and I greatly appreciate it. And I'll make this phone call pretty quick. Um, I admire everything that you do and everything that you talk about. I believe 100%. But I I have a feeling now, Mark, that it's all based down to fear. Is why Congress isn't doing anything. There are certain individuals. What are they afraid of? Losing an election? Some of them ought to lose an election. No, I think it's something to do with... All right, let me slow down. Mr. Call Screener, I don't want people calling who just repeat the talking points that they're hearing on TV. Temporary pain is better than a long time. What temporary pain? Some people are going to lose their farms. Some people are going to lose their... uh, uh, their ability to feed their families. We had farmers call. It's not temporary pain. When the soybean, let me let me uh, digress here a little bit, Tim. When the soybean farmers are in pain, it's easy for people who don't grow soybeans to, you know, a little temporary pain, that's okay. It's not affecting you. It's not okay. Go ahead. I'm not regurgitating because I don't watch network TV. And I don't watch cable. I listen to you. Thank you, and, sir. Yes, I, I honestly do, and I'm just looking at the stagnation about Jeff Sessions not doing anything, Congress not doing anything. I think it's all boiling down. They're in fear of not only their job, their reputation. But, Mark, I hate to say this. I'm going to say it. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I hope I am. Are they fear of their lives, some of them? 
Nah. Bad, no. bad, bad there. No, they're not. Let me, let me tell you something. Uh, for a lot of these members of Congress, they're not conservatives. They're not constitutionalists. We're seeing that more and more across the board. I'm seeing it on economic matters. Thank you for your call, Tim. Let's go to Ben, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer. Go right ahead, sir. How you doing, Mark? I just want to right. disagree with you. I just want to disagree with you in regards to tariffs, and this is the reason why. Tariffs the are good. Chinese, uh, no, well, no, tariffs are not good. But in a oh. post in a post QE world, tariffs are necessary. In a post what? In a post quantitative easing world. Oh, the government I got it. Printed, this is argument gov- number four thousand and twelve. Go ahead. Uh, a post quantitative easing uh, world. Yes. In other words, the Fed kept putting out money, 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 and that's why we need tariffs. No. The Chinese government is manipulating the natural prices of goods okay. and... Now, you, you've listened to this show, right? Of course, every single day. And which country do I make an exception for? Yes, you make an exception for China, but... Then why do I make an exception for China. You, you, you turn around and you say, why Canada? Canada's listen to China. me. Listen to me. You're bouncing around like a liberal. Why do I make an exception for China? You make an exception for China because they manipulate their, their money to buy. Not even that. No, because they steal our technology and they're our enemy. But where does Canada get? Did their you hear money? what I said? Yeah, I did. It's not even about economics. They steal our technology this isn't about trade. It's about national security and law enforcement. Now, what about Canada? You threw Canada in there. Yeah. Where do you think Canada gets their iron ore from? From China. Who cares? Where? Who cares where they get their iron ore from? What, what are we going to do? Where, tell me, where do we get the lead from our pencil? I, I, I'll tell you. What happens is because the prices of goods and services, of, of really goods, are kept artificially low by low commodity prices. Good. Good, yes. good. That's good for the American consumer. So what? I'll tell you why. Because that decreases top line revenue for the corporation. They have less. No, it doesn't. Our corporations are doing very well. We're going to see a report tomorrow. We have virtually full employment. We have illegal aliens pouring over the border. Uh, so if the price of goods go down, sir, when you go shopping, how do you shop? I shop at mom and pop shops in my local area. And oh, if my, only mom, but you never go online. You don't look for the best prices. Very that? rarely. I always go. Well, to that's mom and you. How do you too. think most Americans shop? You, uh, most uh, most Americans they shop on the internet because they're idiots. Oh, they're idiots. They, no, yeah, you're the exactly. schmuck. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. this way when our tax rate for corporations was at 35 percent and the president and others were saying i'm going to lower the tax rate to bring money back to the united states jobs back to the united states businesses back to the united states what do you think a tariff is you lower tariffs you'll bring jobs back to the united states You'll bring business back to the United States. You'll bring investment back to the United States. I've got a lot of callers who agree with me, but I'm taking the ones right now who disagree with me. 
Like Glenn, New York, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank um, you. I, I, okay, uh, I, I don't think this issue is as black as and black and white. What, as what do you do? I, I'm just curious. I'm a CPA. Okay, go ahead. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's, 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 I know you're, you're much more... We're going to run out of time. Go, baby, go. Okay, okay, okay. I think we need to be buying more of our own products. And, and, and if you look, if you go to a supermarket and you pick up an apple juice or an orange juice and you see that we're buying apple juice from China and, and Brazil and wherever and, and apple and orange well, buy it from wherever you want, sir. It's America. You're free to do whatever you want. What no, do you mean? We ought to buy. What if I don't want to buy it that way? But, what, but why don't we buy from our own farmers? What if I want to buy wool from Ireland? What if I want to buy vodka from another country? What if I want to buy wine from France? Who are you? Okay. You don't have a choice, but you don't have a choice with that because there is no what do you mean I don't have a choice. You take a look at this. Go to the supermarket. Pick up. Lower your voice. Chips. Go to the supermarket. You can get anything you want from anywhere in the world. You're not reading your bottles anymore. You're not reading your bottles. Sir, okay. I do my own shopping. Don't lecture me, Mr. CPA. When you sit down with your clients, you're telling them how to save money, aren't you? Yeah. I, oh, you're telling them how to save money, right? Well, a lot of people who may not be rich, when they go to the supermarket, they're trying to save money, too. And they don't need Mr. CPA telling them, you need to buy apple juice from America. Maybe they want to buy apple juice from America. Great. Great. But they have to worry about putting food on their table. And what's un-American is people who are interrupting this system, telling people what to buy, how to buy, not knowing their finances, not knowing their circumstances. We're going to jack up the price of domestic steel, hurt the car market, hurt the assembly lines all over the country. You're not thinking down, downstream. I am. When government interferes, Republican, Democrat, nationalist, populist, communist, it's a bad Thing. Would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? How about an organization that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of the Affordable Care Act? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts to middle-class Americans and small business owners? Would you join an organization like that? No. Then don't join the AARP. Join AMAC, the conservative alternative instead. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit the AARP offers, but without the liberal agenda. Become an AMAC member right now at AMAC.us. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, your principles, the Constitution, and so forth? Join AMAC. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC. Now, how do I know that I'm right and the CPA is wrong? Because you're doing exactly what I'm saying. The reason why this administration wants to put taxes in place on products you buy is they want to change your behavior. They want to change what you buy, where you buy it from, from whom you buy it. That's the whole point of a tariff. And if you wanted to do that, you wouldn't need a tariff. Logic is a tough thing sometimes. I understand it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and ICE. And I salute all the people out there who believe in capitalism and markets and private property rights. Stand strong. These are tough times. And I'll see you tomorrow.